Hey everybody, it's Eric and Zab with our podcast, uh, actually our very first one. Uh, we'll figure out an awesome intro at some point, but for right now, it's just a good old hello. I'm your co-host, Eric Cuellar. On the other end, we have Zabiel Gonzalez. Zab, what's up, man? What's up, everybody? Yeah, excited to be here. Excited to start talking some design. Uh, excited for this like new stage of us, of like talking, sharing, and just doing what we do best, which is just talk design. <laughs> right? That's the best part about being a designer is like yeah. sitting back and talking about design, right? Um, keep me away from that whiteboard, that empty blank space. Uh, it's a whole <laughs> lot easier to talk about it. <laughs> uh, but with that, Zab, uh, let's kind of just jump into it. That's something to all the listeners out there. We're just going to kind of jump into things. We don't want to over talk about, you know, all this nonsense. Let's kind of talk into topics. But I mean, so if we're going to do that, I mean, the first topic really is what we're doing here and why we're doing this. Um, I'll just give a little bit of background, like with Zab um, saying, you know, we want to talk about design. He and I have known each other for almost 10 years now. That's crazy that we've known that. Holy um, cow. <laughs> 10 right? years, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we met back in somewhere around 2012 when we both ended up at uh, University of North Texas to study comm design. Um, and yeah, yeah, we've been friends ever since. Uh, we've gone through all the ups and downs of design as we've gone into our careers post-graduation. And something that we've always done, no matter when we meet, somehow there's a conversation about design, whether that be visual design, graphic design, or even just usability. Um, we always get into it. I mean, it's a passion of ours. So that's something we wanted to bring to you guys. Um, we figured we talk about this nonstop. So why not hit the record button, right, Zeb? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to your point, yeah, I think it's inevitable for us to jump into our our practice and jump into like our point of view as designers and you know like uh dissect every single little thing from the designer's point of view um i know my wife is tired of hearing me so i'm glad i have you to talk about this so um yeah i'm happy to be doing this podcast um with somebody who understands designs and that's something that i think um, we're doing a good job in, in our conversations, which is we may not always have the same point of view. We may not always agree on the same things, but we do bring like, you know, an objective perspective into it. Try to learn, right? Try to absorb, try to take in why things are happening, how our things are happening. And I think curiosity is one of our uh, leading, um, I guess, uh, things that we try to do, right? Like, just like leading from a, a, a trying to po a point of view of trying to understand why why are things the way they are, how they got to be done, when they became what they are, right? Like how are things being influenced by what we do, right? Because the moment you stop uh, looking at things and 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 realizing that there was you know a human brain or or you know like a big organization, a group of people that like you know they all <laughs> work some part of they're living life into creating something that like we as consumers take in and, and, and use, right? Like, I think that's, that's why we're here. That's why uh, design capture our interests, uh, at least my interest since a very young age. So excited to be talking about design. Yeah, man. Same here. All, all the things you said, right. And I think that's something you and I've always shared in common is just that curiosity you talked about. Um, and that's something to the audience you'll hear us talk about. Um, design influences everything as we learn and grow, right? I mean, 
Zab and I can get into a discussion about sports and somehow there's some sort of like experience design that we want to talk about, right? Some topics, you know, I've been thinking about Zab as we kind of uh, curate this, this whole show and build it out was, you know, things from like something we'll talk about later is office space and how we work. Well, what's the experience behind that? How does that how does design influence that? Um, something Zab, you and I have both experienced together. You know, he and I are both um, sports fans going to a sports stadium. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you and I have gone and yeah, we're there for the sports. But before you know it, Zab and her like, dude, going into the, you know, going entering the stadium here was weird. Why did they have wayfinding signs yeah. over there? Why were they funneling people to the left when they re- clearly should have been funneling people to the right? You know what I mean? Well, the, <laughs> just the, all these line cues and whatnot. Yeah, the funny thing is that we just not just stop at like you know the experience of a sporting event, but we also go back into like how did they sell us the tickets? Where were yeah. we advertised about the tickets? Right? Like how many publicity they were showing about it? How many marketing they did about it? You know, like what was what was the prize? What was you know like the the effort? to to get the tickets like how was the parking right like not just the actual event but we go above and beyond uh what a lot of people maybe not notice or maybe not realize that they're being guided or 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 that a lot of their experience is designed right yeah i I think there's gonna probably be a book at the end of this by you and i (laughs) that just says how design school ruined our lives yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can't not think about yeah. it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and even then, you know, we get into the same, okay, we've all thought, we've thought about that experience and usability efforts of going into the stadium. And then we sit down, we're watching the game. And then we're like, really? Did they match those chrome helmets with that ugly green jersey? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> How many conversations we haven't had about that, Man. right? In fact, I mean, Zab, literally, before we started recording, yeah. shared yeah. an Instagram post about, the UNT football helmets. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was like, oh man, yeah. uh, it's like, if we yeah. didn't have to start recording, we'd be going back and forth <laughs> on this for another good 20, 15 minutes, you know? Right. So, yeah. So Eric, I wanted to ask you a couple of things, right? Like first, um, I know you talked about us just for, for sake of the audience, I'm going to be asking some questions to, to fill uh, some context for people. Right. So um, where, where are you in your life right now, professionally? Um, and what what made you get to where you at? I guess give let's give people some some background info about each one of us before we keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, long story short, you and I both kind of started down the graphic design practice at school. Um, leaving or by our junior senior years, I was already into interaction and UX design and even some art direction. But after that, since 2017 when we left, I've been full blast. Uh, UX. Um, so yeah, about five years, maybe going on six years now that I've been working mm-hmm. in full dive UX and I love everything about it. Just based on our discussions and like that curiosity is what mm-hmm. drives me down that field, right? We can all make beautiful things, but there's, I really have that, that uh, inquisitive mind to ask how something works and can it work better? Yeah. You know, so I enjoy like, you know, experience design, right? It's not necessarily mm-hmm. always screens like we just yeah. talked about, like how, how do people interact with things? How do people interact with each other? And before that, guys, before I went back to school in Medzab, I was actually working like eight years in like archives with the National Archives. So mm-hmm. m- dealing with a lot of information there, uh, organizing data, helping people find data, information. Um, so it all kind of comes together. And so, yeah, long story short, that's where I'm at. How about yourself, Zab? Cool. Yeah. Without uh, 
<laughs> diving too deep into it. Yeah, I I always had a niche or, or an interest in design. Um, ever since I like started realizing that somebody was creating the uniforms, the logos of the soccer teams, right? Or 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 anything like basically within sports, I was like, okay, there's somebody creating this. Um, and then throughout that, you know, like one thing led me to explore arts in college. And before you know it, I was transferring from Bronzeville, Texas to Dallas, Texas, well, to Denton, Texas to go to UNT. UNT, like Eric said, like we met um, in the communication design program. I decided to complement my studies with a little bit of marketing and business, um, which led me to um, feel my initial jobs in marketing, especially uh, sports and marketing design. So along the lines of that, and, and I eventually knew that I wanted to transition to UIUX and um, I've been also doing UIUX for the last couple, like five or so-ish years. Um, currently working as a um, product designer, um, but that's that's where where we are right now. Yeah, and now we're podcasters. And now um, we're podcasters, yeah. <laughs> right? Because every designer needs to podcast, right? <laughs> um, everybody needs some sort of social outlet, and that's kind of a good segue into something you and I were talking about offline here before we started and where social media and whatnot fits into our careers. And I think you brought that up. So why don't, why don't you go ahead and talk about that a little bit, Zap? Yeah. So talking about, you know, like what we hear about, like, well, there, there are multiple layers of this thing, right? One is as a designer, if you're not producing content out there, if you're not becoming a thought leader or whatever that means is right. Like, how how are you advancing right how are you becoming someone that like people want to listen to right so um that got me into creating like a little instagram page for ux right um there was a lot of need for that at the time plus it was in the middle of the pandemic so kind of made sense to use the time that i was not um like working to create something and to output something right but Really quickly, as like things became back to normal, I started like pondering about, you know, like, am I hurting our society by creating more content that like people get like pulled back into their phones, right? You know, this whole dichotomy of, um, right, like, go enjoy the outdoors and like live your life and like don't be putting your face in the too close to the TV, what our parents used to say, or like, mm. right? Like, don't be too much on the phone. Um, uh, that's what, what the parents tell now their kids, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, along those lines, I guess I want to talk about, are we responsible, right, to, or to what degree are we responsible of, like, dragging people in to the devices even more? Now, I don't want to say just social media, but let's talk about, digital products right like how much of our life is being forced into a digital product mm. right yeah it's crazy when you think about man that's man we hit we we up <laughs> big here with, with yeah. the big hit you know what i mean yeah and and, um, and that's one of the reasons why I, I guess putting a pause on that but but this is one of the reasons why we want to jump into a podcast right because we have a lot of questions a lot of times like it's better just to you know hash it out with somebody else right like yeah thinking what like or, or thinking out loud or, or hearing what other people has to say right and and 
seeing other people's perspective, right? So, Eric, what, what comes to mind from all of what I disputed? Well, I mean, just to go back really quickly. I mean, this kind of goes back to our conversations always. You know, we d may not always agree, and that's just mm -hmm. everybody, but, you know, we agree to find answers, and this is how we learn off of each other. So if there's any young designers out there, I hope y'all are having similar conversations with that. Um, you know, you, you can always learn and grow from somebody else just by pitching ideas. And that's how design should work, right? Um, mm -hmm. You should just sit there and bounce ideas off the wall and see what happens. That's what the cool kids call collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man, it's weird because like social media, right? Participate. It's like, it's the ultimate crowdsourced product, right? It's like you put this thing out there and then it just kind of feeds itself. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, sometimes we get into a place of like the need for, I don't know, attention that, that need to be liked, you know? Mm -hmm. I, um, and then there's also, Hey, I feel like I can contribute in a way, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Here's, here's my specialty. Um, whether that be a designer or that I can cook or that you're a girl who somehow knows how to pose for a picture. And that's mm -hmm. contributing. <laughs> um, right. Right. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, that's the weird part, right? It's to your point. It's like, are we contributing to it? Yes. How do we reduce that? Is it, is it good? That's, that's the bigger question. I think everybody continues to ask as we keep going, you know, mm -hmm. because, okay, you stopped. Right. But I guarantee you there was probably about a million people who just started up their Instagram account right after you quit. <laughs> so yeah. it's almost like this. Oh yeah. It's all just this endless feed to the monster, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but if we can bring it in like specifically, I guess we can narrow that down to just how mm -hmm. that affects designers. I don't know, not, not to narrow it down too much, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's like after a while, this is, this is my point of view. I'm, I'm not, this is scientific, mm -hmm. but I've ob uh, observed that it like, in our practice of design, whether it be visual or graphic or UX design, whatever that may be, mm -hmm. I always feel like there's this, this regurgitation of information. And I think I've mentioned this to you, right? Yeah. It's like you see one post and they all start becoming the same. Like, you know, you can follow like something on like Instagram, like hashtag UX UI. Mm -hmm. Before you know it, it's like you're getting the same post from these different people or it's just curated feeds. And it's like, here's somebody giving another static screen, so that another static screen. Yeah, so that's something that really pissed me off from when I was in the field, right? Which was, and the field by in the field, I mean posting UX content on Instagram, right? Which was, there was all these like loud voices or like loud, I guess people with with big followers and and thousands and millions of followers, right? And and having this opinionated voices about something that like they were not experts, right? Like, yeah, looking at their background and like looking at their, their, the stuff that they've done. I'm like, y'all been in like in, in UX for like three years, right? Like what gives you for lack of other words, the cojones to come out and tell <laughs> people, right? Like what, what should we do about it? So that really got me tired about people putting contents on it to what you were saying, right? Like we, regurgitating the same stuff, right? Like, I don't need anybody else to tell me how to build another persona because everybody's doing it wrong. And, and if we stop about, you know, like understanding UX personas, like every project persona is built for different purposes and reasons. So 
even if you tell me you need to make it one way, it doesn't really matter if it's not useful for, you know, the, the actual thing that we need to use. Yeah, it's like almost like, I feel like we live in a world of like a template society. Like, mm. okay, you're a designer. This is how you need to do things now. Get your Instagram going. Mm -hmm. Start posting things. Tell tell four or five things of how you do something. And people do that right away. And then you realize, oh, wait, this is like a junior designer or somebody who's still in school. And they're just sharing mm -hmm. the knowledge they're picking, that they picked up yesterday. And then they're copying from a template from somebody who posted two days before that. Or, or even a year ago, right? Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. And it's like, we're missing... I think we're missing education from the experienced people, you know? Yeah. I, I work at the senior design level, right? But I still feel like I don't even know it. And sometimes, like, I, you know, I feel like a fraud if I were to post something about that. I was like, because, man, I feel like five years in design apparently is still a long time. But to me, I'm like, man, it's only five years. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um so many things I want to know is like, I still feel like I'm not an expert. So when I see somebody like posting something, I'm like, wait, are, are you trying to pass off as an expert? You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you're only like, you know, you're only like a year into your practice or even study. It, it's, yeah. it's kind of concerning to me. And I, and I, I don't want us to beat up on people like that, but it's, it's kind of odd, right? It's like, wow, what do you even know? It's just automatically like I gathered data and now I got to share it. Yeah. You know? Now, now let's be in a little bit more objective about it. Like I understand every practice or every industry or business, whatever you want to call it, has like people who are very like prominent and loud and out there. And there's also people who are very quiet, reserved, right? Like, and, and, mm -hmm. and to themselves, right? Like nothing, nothing against anybody in here, but it's just, I feel as designers, like you get those people that are very loud and then you get like the people that are doubting themselves and, and it's understandable, but the thing is the field is changing so fast. The things that you may say may not apply to everyone. Like is they're just, I don't know. I, I think the biggest problem I have is that people take certain things as facts when they're mm. just opinions. Right. Good point. And you know, to bounce off of that, the loudest voice in the room is not always the most knowledgeable, right? Or the correct one. Yeah. There, there are a lot of people who sit on the quiet side and, you know, maybe know everything that needs to be done, but they're just kind of overshadowed or overpowered by the loud voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's an awesome point, which leads me to the question. And probably people are like wondering, well, like, aren't we participating in this by creating a podcast? <laughs> um <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's no way around it, right? Um, yeah. we're just hoping that we offer, or at least I can't say for both of us, from my perspective, is that like, we're mm -hmm. just offering a voice, um, and more questions. I hope that's, I think that's you, something you and I talk yeah. about, right? Is mm -hmm. we're hopefully not here to give you the absolute answers on something. We're here more to just kind of explore, um, news events or that relate to design or, mm -hmm. or and and just our perspectives on that right sometimes hopefully if, if we're doing it right you may hear us ask more questions rather than well this is how you do it you know what i mean here's the solution to that and if that's what 
and I guess that goes to our point, right? If you're just out there mm-hmm. throwing out solutions, are you really designing without even asking questions first? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Eric. I think this goes back to, you know, what taught us in school, what curiosity has led us to. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's not the answer that is, you know, what makes you successful or not is the kind of questions that you ask, whether if it's, you know, on a meeting board or, you know, like at work, you know, when like some of the clients and the and the partners that we work with um, or whether if it's just like a simple like, hey, let me explore by asking more questions and trying to figure out like what is the best, like a solution to something, right? Without needing to come up with, with um, the first answer as your definitive answer, yeah. right? Yeah. So with that, that's how our podcast is to go. A lot of just thinking out loud. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and read through some news that's come out recently. You're listening to Zab and Eric, the podcast. And we're back to the Zab and Eric podcast, uh, jumping right back into something. We're going to be doing pretty much every podcast. We're going to be doing a quick rundown of some recent news. Um, hopefully it's timely. We may not be posting exactly when we record this. Just to let y'all know, this is September 28th when we were recording this. So if you're reading about the news, you're like, what are you guys talking about when, you, when y'all are hearing this? And it's like January 2024. You know, you're not like weirded out. <laughs> With that, Zab... What's some news headlines? Cool. So the first things that I want to talk to you was um, the recent, I guess, announcement of the iPhone 14 and its polemic. Is that is that even an English word? I guess I it, it's no it's. Yeah, I was I was thinking about polemica, but uh, <laughs> going back to English. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's like controversial, I guess. Um, Ooh. Dynamic Buzzword. island. Yeah. Hot take yeah. buzzwords. Let's go. Yeah, this is the time for hot takes. So yeah, <laughs> Apple released a new iPhone 14, and instead of the famous notch that they've had for the last like two or three iPhones, they've uh, now done an island, which, in my opinion, is a very good UI solution to a, I guess, uh, hardware problem, right? Which the problem is that having a camera and speaker and sensors on the top of the screens. You know, the aesthetic life is not happy. So the way they did it is they moved those sensors a little bit lower and they put like a black pill around it. That black pill is part screen, part something else. And it moves and it adjusts according to the app that you're using. Uh, So for example, if you're opening like Apple Play or Spotify, you know, like the little player will come up on the top. If it's like, you know, like they've shown now different widgets, which is, um, you know, like weather widget or like you're playing, things like that. So um, what are your takes on that, Eric? Um, my takes are 
And no surprise, guys, if y'all are listening, Zab and I, of course, have had a million conversations about this off air as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was like, it's not bad, but I don't know if it's ne- I don't know if they're necessarily solving any problems. So okay, let, make- let's pause for a little second. Okay. We got we got to tell people that I'm an uh, iPhone user and you're an Android user, right? The, correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have and I have nothing against iPhone. I've just been with Galaxy for so long. I'm kind of in that I use a Galaxy phone. I've been in that Android Google world and I'm just kind of cool with it. You know what I mean? Um so but you know, I watch, you know, hey, we design for multiple devices, you know. I have to mm-hmm. design for iPhone stuff, so I, I'm I, I totally understand the the interface and the hardware that comes along with that. Uh, yeah, my take on that is like, what was the problem there? Uh, you know, they just suddenly, iPhone or Apple, I should say, just kind of says like, hey, here's this new thing. And you're like, that looks cool. But what was the problem? What were people having with that? You know, and that kind of goes back to my bigger question I've had is like, in the world that we work in, do we just create new problems for ourselves? Like, was there ever really a problem there? Or is it just like, we just don't know what to do with that top space anymore. And people don't like the notch. People don't like the pinhole. So what if we put a mask on it, you know, put lipstick on a pig Mm -hmm. up there and just kind of make this dynamic thing, which it's not intrusive, really. I don't know. I haven't used it. Right. It just came out like, is it helpful? I don't know. I haven't tested it. I haven't played with it. You know, I have worries about if this is like a tool up there that you can interact with, is it supposed to be a shortcut to that tool? Like if music's playing on your Spotify, you should be able to reach up there and touch it. I have issues with thumb reach, you know, where it's yeah. at. Um, you know, a lot of times we put like hotkeys, so to speak, at mm-hmm. the bottom of screens. And now we're putting this dynamic island up at the top. It, it's it's interesting. I, I Again, I think there's more questions to be asked about that to see if it's... Mm-hmm usable um was it needed yeah no one of the things that comes to mind is is you know the accessibility right like how accessible is that for either screen reader users right like and and the problem i have with it is just like it's a ui element that is on top of like the apps which is like the menu right um so i wonder if like you're playing music and you know the dynamic island accidentally you touched it if you are a non-site user or somebody who can't see um, and you accidentally press it, right? Like, you know, I, I have questions along those t- along those lines. I don't know. And I don't think um, Apple has solved everything. I'm assuming um, that they may, they make updates as, as they're going on, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of questions around around those lines. Now, let me give a little bit of um of what I've done for the last couple of years, and that is that I always have a black background. So even the last two iterations of these phones, I haven't had trouble with the sensor or the notch at the top. So I kind of don't care where we land with this. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like it's this fight that's going on, and it's like, what are we fighting over? We're I fighting know. over like we're fighting over like eighty pixels of space up there, like vertically. Yeah. Um, it, and, and my last take on this is like, is it anything unique? Um, you know, I think I've seen some other YouTubers and stuff talk about this. Like, they're not the first to do it, and I think 
on Android, whatever phone you're using, if it's got a pinhole mm-hmm. or whatever, they actually have there's you can upload some code in there and you can have a dynamic island on your Android phone now. So it's like oh wow, nothing proprietary. They were fast, yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. Android is more open source, right? So yeah. so whatever Apple comes I was gonna out, say, with, but there's... it's only been a, it's only been now for like a week or two, dude. Calm down, <laughs> people. <laughs> What does that tell you? Like how yeah. how big of a thing is that that you can build if somebody just went, oh, here's the code. Like a week later, you know, yeah, now definitely you can have not it a market differentiator, right? Like it's yeah, not yeah. what nothing it makes proprietary there. Exactly. Yeah, it's all about. I that's all I have to say on that. Um, just really, we just kind of kind of watch it and see what happens. What else we got in this app? So the next new for everyone, which I'm pretty sure um, this hat made big splashes because everybody in the community has had. An opinion has had their hearts broken or um, <laughs> they started loving this company even more. And that is Figma. Figma was recently acquired by Adobe. Um, to my understanding is that Adobe asked for a government loan to pay the small amount of $20 billion with a B uh, to acquire Ado- uh, Figma, Adobe acquiring Figma. Um, and that is the latest news eric what are your thoughts wow um just right <laughs> off the top man, I'm, I'm reading up uh, reading up a story on the verge and there's a little uh bit here that says what was more surprising perhaps was the 20 billion adobe offered is 40 times figma's current annual revenue run rate wow that is crazy and one of the largest startup acquisitions ever yeah um I mean, let's just Damn. not talk about inflation, right? But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, it, it, without inflation, it was only going to be sixteen billion. You know, <laughs> also seeing that Adobe stock prices uh, went down sharply since the acquisition was announced. Mm-hmm. Uh, sticker shock is what they're talking about. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, money aside, I think most people are worried about what does this do for Figma. I think Figma's built a lot of trust. Um, it's become like very designer friendly. It's mm-hmm. definitely kind of uh, more open to to like uh, collaboration, right? You can go in there. There's the community section of that where you can borrow from, share, get feedback on. Um, you know, we're like almost co-designing the world right now on that on that yeah. um, application. And you know, Adobe's aging, and we know a lot of their other stuff has struggled to you know. Uh, stay uh, prominent, you know, XD, you know, they try to do their thing yeah. to compete against Sketch that failed. So I think, I think Adobe just has a track record right now that designers and users of Figma are just, they have some worry. Mm-hmm. It's definitely pretty interesting. So I, I come into this from one uh, designer who is a user and who's seen the growth of Figma over the last year. Or, or years in general, um, to your point, yeah, this is a tool for creating digital experiences or or uh, or apps, websites, whatever we want to call them. Um, but these guys started really tackling uh, problems for designers and developers and how we got our designs and, and experiences out into the public or, or into the world, right? So they they had a lot of conversations with designers, right? Like, what are your pain points? They really asked those hard questions, right? That we were talking about a little bit ago. 
and they went into town and sold for that, right? Which made them far above any of its competitors by strides, right? Like Sketch in a span of a year became like from the leader to the nobody wants to use Sketch anymore. I mean, kids are coming out of school right now not knowing what Sketch is, right? Because Figma is the coolest tool in town. Um, but then from a business standpoint, I mean, uh, I think it's overpriced what they pay for Figma, but at the same time, um, the more and more I keep reading about it on the news, it makes sense why they pay for that. And yeah, to what you were talking about a little bit ago, uh, Adobe wants to understand how Figma was able to solve for like web tool, which is what they've been trying to do for the longest time. So what that means is that you're able to open Photoshop in a website and be able to work on that while other people work on that, which is, you know, one of the biggest like chains that Adobe has prevented us designers from collaborating with other people, right? You kind of swim into your own lane and stay focused on what you're working on. And then you hand off the files. Well, in, in product design, it, in UI UX, it doesn't quite work that way, right? Like you do one iteration of something, the dev comes back and tells you to update something. And then business comes back and tells you to update something else. So before you know it, right, like you keep improving and improving the product and let's just not go deep into the science sprints and all that kind of stuff that we go. Um, but it's constant iteration of the same thing. Now, that's what I think is Adobe is actually like, hunting the technology behind how we can enable new people to work remote right like due to the pandemic and other uh, other things so to me it makes sense as a move um hopefully they uh they just become the owners of figma and not try to change it too much so yeah it's like uh, you can own it just don't just don't take its soul you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you're buying it for a reason. And it's just not, it's not just the software and the technology behind it, but the community that it brings along with it, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, with it, within that same day of announcing it, people were just like bashing Adobe on Twitter. Right. And they were just like, so upset and so pissed. I have some people or, or some friends that are from like a specific communities that were really concerned about like, you know, uh, Figma is free in like Africa. What are you going to do to like, you know, keep offering that? Like, are you like, is this just business or, or how are you going to affect us, et cetera? So I do think it's, it's just like a lovely tool that like designers come to love. And, and, and I guess there were just concerns from the public that Adobe was going to come in and, acquire them and change the way they are. It's concern. Adobe, like I said, they've they've been on a path of trying to keep up with everybody else. Their technology is aging. Um, we mm -hmm. still rely on a lot of their stuff day to day, you know, non UX or interaction design. Photoshop and Illustrator still heavily, heavily used. Um, yeah. Still learning new tricks. Uh, like yesterday, the pen tool thing we saw on Instagram that blew our minds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, th those are still foundational tools for what we do. I mm -hmm. don't think those are really going anywhere. But as we move into more uh, digital tools, well, we've already been in there. Adobe just, they were losing their footing. They, they couldn't quite get it. So it's like, do you invest billions of dollars to basically revamp your foundational stuff? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or 
take that money and buy out somebody who's already created that. Um, well, yeah. I guess also kind of getting rid of a competitor as well. Um, yeah, I mean, historically, yeah. Adobe has done that before, right? Um, they bought whoever was like uh, After Effects, they turned them into After Effects. Whoever was Adobe Premiere, they turned it into that, right? So like, it's not the first time Adobe has like acquire a company because they're the, um, um, I guess the, the dominator on certain tools for that specific software and then added them to their cloud, right? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is like, you know, uh, less competition really kind of kills innovation. Uh, mm. I think that's another thing we're all worried about, right? It's just that monopoly on all of these things. I mean, the Adobe Cloud, right? You pay mm -hmm. whatever you pay per month and you can do photo editing. You can do logo design with the tools yeah. in there, 3D design. Now you can do your web design. Um, I'm about to edit this podcast in Audacity um, or what is it called? Audition. But we're not sponsored by Adobe. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, oh, was it? I just I said Audacity is an old old uh, software you use, but you know what I mean. It's like everything creative is now in Adobe, and it's like, well, where's the competition? What does that do for us for prices? You know what I mean? Because um, now they got to come up with a twenty billion dollar loan to pay back. Um, yeah. So those are all the things that that concern us, right? Um, and you know. I, I'll keep paying as long as it continues to be the Figma they bought. I mean, I'm still, I'm still hesitant about those gold chains because I do think Adobe is the uh, pyramid scheme for uh, new graphic designers or new designers coming out of school. Yeah, I guess with that, we'll just jump into our next uh, topic. Yeah, but before that, Zab, we're going to take a break. So hit that music and we'll be back in a few minutes. wrapped up the news and let's go into our big topic zap um i was watching youtube earlier today yeah uh, turned what? on a box yes yes it's something, <laughs> it's something uh, careful hopefully adobe doesn't buy it um yeah <laughs> uh, no dude that that's owned by google so we're yeah good. yeah yeah 20 billion to google <laughs> is chump change man like they can yeah. pull that out of like the the couch cushions <laughs> they're like right adobe they could buy adobe like today without even thinking about it. Yeah. Um, so anyways, on Vox, they do this great series um, and they usually talk about design. I'm trying to remember the host's name, but he pops up a lot. Uh, but anyways, this episode, he started you said, talking. Sorry, you said Vox, right? Not V-O-X. V-O-X, okay. yeah. Just wanted um, to get clarification. <laughs> yes, Vox. Yeah, I'm not, Vox. sorry, I'm not gonna call it out, but I will. Um, I am not following <laughs> Fox News on anything design. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this guy, he usually talks about things design, whether that be from architecture or visual design or things we use, and he does sign these short documentaries on it. And mm -hmm. today, they posted and talked about uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's, uh, like, m this, the future of 
office design that he designed back in like 1939. And it's uh, at the S.E. Johnson um, building. This is up in Wisconsin, I believe. Um, and yeah, it, back then it's, and anybody who's been to design school, architecture school, or, or study any type of art, mm-hmm. uh, design history has seen this building. It's got the long, tall, like funnel trees that go up and there's glass. And it's supposed to be like this open space, like huge, like mall area. And it was yeah. supposed to revolutionize the way we do design. Anyways, the saw mm-hmm. was great. Um, y'all should check it out. Um, I will try to put a link to it wherever we post this podcast or whatever. Check it out. But that got me to thinking, Zab, about the current work environment that we that we live in. And they actually touch, um, touch on this a little bit in the video. But I just wanted to take a little bit further. That was 1939. And he designed mm-hmm. this big, large workspace. And this is when we first start the idea of like open workspaces, right? And they're talking about mm-hmm. this is where people can share ideas and whatnot. Back in 1939, we had no internet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, there was always going to be more conversation, right? That's that's how mm-hmm. you think. Like you, you couldn't just easily Google something. So you had to tap the shoulder. You had to rely on the knowledge um, that your coworkers had. Um, yeah. But... I think there's always been a fight on that. I remember even when, you know, I didn't really notice the open space idea until I got into design. That's when I started seeing this and there's like open space. And I remember just thinking like, is it really about collaborative design or is this just about Mm -hmm. saving money by not building walls? You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts on, 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 on open space offices or working from home. Yeah. So, Man, there's a lot to talk about in here. So that's why this is the big people. question. This is the big question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's get ready, people. Um, but no, one of the things that I, I agree with you is that when we jump from, um, you know, from like regular design or college classroom to a design classroom, you realize there was like a big table in the middle and just mm. doubles around it, right? So, so to me, that was one of the big things that I realized, like maybe maybe i i at the time i didn't know it was called an open space area but i realized that everybody could sit wherever they want and like move perspectives and like interact with each other and you're actually facing each other because either we were on like half a circle and the professor or the teacher was in front of us right and we all kind of like see saw each other right um you saw your your uh, your uh, classmates right um you ask questions to the person to the side um you had like interactions with more than one people because the way the room was laid out it kind of like forced you to walk around the room and interact with people and i don't want to get too deep into that but to your point eric yeah i do think like design forces us to start looking at you know like the experience of interacting with our spaces and and the people around us and yeah that documentary, I saw it a while back. I rewatched it to our conversation, and it just took me back to uh, when I went to Barcelona, um, and I saw the. Oh, of course, I'm now blanking up, but um, it was this church, La Sagrada Familia, and it was built by this architect who, um, the the church itself is still in construction, and he has like a lot of those like principles right like the thin columns on like the bottom that like widen up on the top right like certain spaces you know the the 
the concept of going from one space into a bigger open space, right? Like forcing you to go to like some tunnel halls, right? Um, to me, all of that is super interesting and it, it puts into perspective, right? Like analyzing the place we live and how it affects us. I think the pandemic came and forced us to to look at that, at, at least as a designer, started putting more attention into how where I live and the spaces that I interact are affecting me, affecting my mood, affecting my output, affecting, you know, like even even my my relationships with my family, right? Like, do I have space to be sitting down and having a coffee or a conversations, right? Like, you know, like two couches put on a corner can allow for a ton of conversations because of that setup inside a house, right? Mm. Um, but I, before I keep going and on and on and on, <laughs> what are some of your thoughts, Eric? Yeah, no, I, I saw the video and I agree with everything you're talking about. And that's kind of like the larger questions that we're getting to. You know, they talk about the idea of Frank Lloyd Wright's theory on expansion and or it's, it's like compression and expansion, right? There's small spaces mm -hmm. and large spaces and just kind of instead of just one big space or and then mm -hmm. talking and I'm talking to you, I forget the the architect's name that you're talking about in the Spanish church. Um, definitely remember that it's kind of very organic and that's kind of the key, right? That they yes. share yes. is there is always theory about organic design, right? That people don't feel comfortable in metal boxes and stuff, right? That's not natural. So people are trying to find this kind of organic design to a lot of things. But the, the bigger concept that I, I keep thinking about is I think all of that makes for beautiful design. There's some awe about it, about what you see, like this large open space, the space and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I, I still I still don't know if there was, looking at what Frank Lloyd Wright designed here and a lot of larger spaces, are they taking into consideration the user and how they're trying to work, right? Um, this, of course, was designed in the time of like 1939, going into the 40s. We're moving into this, you know, definitely into the 40 hour work week where you clock in at eight and you clock out at five or six. So mm -hmm. you're there for the eight, nine hours. Mm -hmm. And um, you have to make that environment pleasant for somebody because you're they're spending 40 hours of their life, sometimes even more than that, in this space. Um, mm -hmm. but I'm also thinking just a side to this. So I was mm -hmm. looking at photos of this space that he created, and this is the time when you had, there were no computers. So these are like hard pounding typewriters. Think mm -hmm. of like 50 people typing away in this open, you know, space with glass <laughs> up top that, you know, there's no plastics. It's all, it's either metal or wood. Can you imagine the sound that was going on in there? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if uh, Frank Lloyd Wright had much in terms of audio design <laughs> in mind yeah. using this visual space and just like. And that's why I think about the user. It was like, imagine us today. Like, there's the collaborative time that we have. Like talking mm -hmm. back to school, what we were talking about. Yeah, when you're in graphic design. I need feedback. I'm trying to adjust this. Even in in uh, UI design, you know, it was like, hey, I'm not sure about this space. I need that mm -hmm. collaborative space. But then there are times where I was like, I just need heads down time. Could you yeah. imagine trying to get heads down time when like 50 people around you are just pounding away at their typewriters? You know? Well, I was going to say, they, <laughs> they didn't have, I mean, 
what has been like less than five years since we got like uh, headphones that are noise canceling, right? Like <laughs> yeah. not too long ago, people had to use wired he- headphones, right? Whoa! And even even to this, oh, I'm sorry, Eric, but even to this date, <laughs> some purists still use the wired headphones. Dang no, straight. but I mean, yeah. Look, look, looking at that from from a perspective, and and I want to add, you know, like how our environments have been changing, right? Mm-hmm. Is the creation of these headphones for noise canceling, you know, like isolating us even more, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I do still believe that there's sometimes that you need both and you need different areas. Um, yeah. And hopefully everybody is working at a place that allows you to do that, right? Like being able to um, have sectors where like, you know, if I want to be more collaborative, let's move to this side. I want to be more like heads down, let's move to this other side, right? Like yeah. even within your home, you need to be able to like move around and not just like being in a closet, right? Like hiding yeah. or something like that, right? Well, think think about, let's talk about this in the physical aspect first, just yeah. to kind of contrast and compare from what we're looking at with the Frank Lloyd Wright, you know, uh, mm-hmm. office space to, to now, you know, um, what do you need now? And they talk about this in the video a bit is like, all I need is a laptop. I don't need to go anywhere. If I need to collaborate with you, Zab, mm-hmm. you're like, you're 30 miles away from me or so, right? Here we are talking more. Or less. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, if we, you know, we can call each other, we can text each other, we can sync up on zoom or whatever it may be. Um, it, it's so easy to share, but think about back then when you had these larger tools, Think about drafting, yeah. right? You used to have a good five by five table and you'd be drafting yeah. designs and architecture designs. And then you're well, like, phones, okay, I gotta go. Yeah. Phones too, right? Like you had yeah. to be like two connected to the desk because that phone was connected, right? I like the machines that you were talking about. Yeah, like the, the typewriters. Everything had everything had its place across the office space. I mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I had to go over there to this is even, you know, this is only going back like 15, 20 years, I have to go over there to use the fax machine. Um, if I'm in those drafting sections, you know, and this is this office space was designed in 1939, not too long ago, even in the 90s and 80s, you know, drafting before we went to like pure digital. I mean, people still had to use large spaces to, to have places. Like I said, you're doing draft design, you're designing these layouts mm-hmm. for architecture, a five by five space, you know, table. And then I got to take it over here and now I got to copy it. So I got to move it over here. Mm-hmm. So you need that space and that's more arm space that you need to work. But I mean, think about it. You and I could, you know, I'm at a desk. You're probably at, at your desk as well right now, but we could literally mm-hmm. be doing this just sitting in our bed, what we're doing right now. Yeah. Everything we yeah. do now could just be sitting in your bed. And that leads to the bigger question of like, what do we do with office spaces now? Are they even wanted anymore? You know, I hinted earlier, you know, was the open concept really about collaboration or was it about saving money by not having to build walls? Are companies starting to think like, hey, we can save even more money by not even having a building at all? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you and I can share a little bit about what we're going through right now. Um, Currently, USAA is asking us to come back to the office. Mm -hmm. I personally don't have any problems with going back to the office, but I know some like coworkers may not like that. And and I mean, you think about it now and remote work is now a not not a luxury but a standard, right? Like for all 
technology companies to your point of like now we're doing work from the laptop right like now the laptop becomes this like portable environment that you like access and mm. and god stopped us from like just jumping into a headset eventually but um <laughs> but um but yeah i mean that that's where we're going that's where things are moving and and i don't think they're going to change anytime soon it's just you know like business have to adapt to that and and make the best out of it before people leave you to the best one and the one that is offering the best opportunities right yeah there i think there's competition there you know i don't have the facts in front of me so don't take this as an absolute fact but i also i get that gut feeling that that's coming into play now right that you know to keep some of the talent you want i think a Mm -hmm. lot of talent is saying i'm talking like in in our um digital product world that like i want to work from home and if you're getting more like i want to work from home than like people who want to come in you have to adapt to that right so adapt or die Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot more voices saying that i think we learned from that in 2020 right especially with families who have children and multiple you know parts to their lives you know it's it's a lot easier to work around that than you know stuck at your desk for eight hours well and touching into something eric that's important that we've talked before about and it's the fact that creativity and and when it comes down to to coming up to with with solutions for a design problem or just a problem in general is you know sometimes your mind is not in that creative mood right like you mm-hmm. need to zone out a little bit or, you know, like take some time out or, you know, like people want that freedom nowadays to be able to say like, hey, like maybe I'm not productive from 10 a.m. to 12 and I need to like, I, I don't need to be waking up this early, right? Or I don't need to be working at this time. So give me some time and like between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. I'm for sure I'm going to solve for that. That's when my brain works best, right? Like we, I, I believe businesses should adapt to that and be able to identify that not everybody works the same way. Not everybody has the same priorities, even though like your work should be your priority, right? Like maybe taking care of your kids or, you know, a family member is more important at the time, right? And you can push things out to that. Also, like the whole concept of asynchronous work, right? Yeah, to this, I think there's also there's also been that move to like the goal oriented work. Right. We, we do this in, you know, sprint planning. Right. Your mm-hmm. goal is to design or explore or test or research this by next Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really in a lot of those times, there's really no need to be punching the clock unless you're billing clients, you know. Mm-hmm. But really, it's, it's kind of the value of the work. It's your goal to do this by next Friday, then you're done. So do you really need to be there at your desk from eight to five? Yeah, is that, that's what we talked about, right? Like being punished for your efficiency, right? Like if you mm-hmm. solve that problem ahead of time, should you be punished and have to, you know, like spend that time in your, you know, office waiting yeah. to clock out? Or can you just have that free time for yourself? I do yeah. think that will improve like employees um, happiness, right? Mm. Because they don't feel like they're attached to their work, right? They have more freedom. And if anything, I th- if we look at like human motivations, I do think that motivates people to like produce even more and better when yeah. when they know they have the freedom to do whatever, whatever they want, right? Yeah, I, I'm definitely a fan of the hybrid work environment right mm-hmm. now. Work from home with an office to go collaborate with. I'm a mm-hmm. huge fan of that. Why? Because 
when when you're plan when you're in the planning stages of a project, let's be yeah. all be in one room. Let's all grab a marker. Let's grab around. Let's all get around a whiteboard because there's nothing mm-hmm. like the human interaction of like mm-hmm. gesturing, looking at each other, um, not talking over each other. When somebody's up in front of the board, they have the room and they can kind of get their thoughts out. Mm-hmm. Body language. Yeah, and then there's times where it's like, okay, we got that. I just need to go home for a day or two and just really explore this as a designer. Let me lay mm-hmm. down some things. Don't disappear for too long, but like, let me have a day to just kind of jot down some draft ideas and wireframes and and then bring that Marinate back. Marinate on can, it. Yeah, yeah, and then we can collaborate again. You know what I mean? Um, that's working with the PMs and the engineers, everybody who's on that like uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, cross-functional team to kind of get things going. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting place where we're at with with just workspaces and work environments as a whole. And mm-hmm. just watching that video just really kind of got me thinking about how far we've come to this open, vast space and trying to make it look organic. And it's like, you know, 40 feet tall and there's glass on the top. And by the way, if y'all haven't ever seen this, y'all got to look it up. Um, it's called the, was it the Johnson Administrative Building? Check it out. It, it's it's a great architecture design. One day, Zab, we should go visit it. That'd be cool to do like a podcast from inside there. <laughs> As down. I was thinking when I was yeah. watching the video, I was like, it'd be cool to like, yeah, go visit with, this place. Just kind of grab some mics. With, with bad, yeah, with bad audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be like echoey as hell, but we're like, yeah. there's the problem. You didn't think about And if it is, I mean, problem, again. Problem, 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 <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, s- sound design, acoustic designs, right? It's like, yeah. and, you know, that's that's part of that whole user experience, right? It's like, cool, it looks great, but it's loud as hell to work in here, and I can't get anything done. And by 5 o'clock, I'm walking out with a headache because mm-hmm. everybody's screaming and shouting and typing. and Yeah. Um, I've even had that like in a quieter space where there's just so many voices yeah. going on. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's just the evolving working space. I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, any final thoughts on it? Um, you said, you know, like experience design of, you know, the work thing. And, and I, I want to just touch on that a little bit more, which is, you know, at the end of the day, call it our profession or not, but as experienced designers, we look at, every interaction that us as humans have with the world, right? Whether if it's digital or not, whether you realize that you're having an experience or not, whether you realize it's affecting you in some way or form, right? Like at the end of the day, is things like happening simultaneously, um, affecting you, affecting back to the thing, right? Whether if it's a digital product, a phone, a building, a, a, you know, something. Um, so I, if anything, um, I just want to let our audience know that, you know, like stopping asking and observing is the best way to understand, like how things move around the world, um, uh, you know, and, and, and around your things. And, you know, like only analyzing these experiences, you know, with an objective uh, set of mind can allow you to improve your digital experiences. If you're a designer and you're creating digital products out there, um don't dismiss any experience or anything that you interact in the world with because you can bring that into the production or the creation of the future digital products yeah well said man well said you know just observe and research and see how that goes and by the way just to correct it's called the sc johnson's administrative building and it's um it's in racine wisconsin i forgot what else i said but anyways racine wisconsin you ever get a chance to tour it? I think it's closed off. I don't even think they use it anymore. I think it's just more of like this 
uh, historical building that they've kept now just because mm. uh, Frank Lloyd Wright design. But to go back to what, what you were just saying, just touch on that, I don't want to go on too much, but I'm thinking about him designing this old space. And was this back in the time when you're like, he's the great architect. Just trust him. He knows what we need. Mm. I, I wonder, I want to go back in there. Was there any type of research? Did he get any feedback or did he, or was he like, no, I don't need research. I know exactly what people need. Or did they just trust him to do that? Because I'm certain yeah. that we'd be like, all right, before we go with that design, um, let's get some feedback from our workers. <laughs> um, yeah. did, was there any, well, there's a, there's the idea of like how you want a group of people to work. And then there's yeah. the watching how they actually work. Right. Yeah. I don't, if you ask me, I don't think he actually got to that. I mean, from the video, they mentioned that, um, because there was not enough lighting, um, they had to add artificial lighting, which added to changing the mood, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but no, I, I mean, I think if we step back a little bit into like the mind of a creator or a maker, you, you ultimately don't want to dictate something. You want it to be the best that it can be, right? When you're producing something out. So if he would have known that, like, you know, maybe there wasn't enough, like, coming into the building, I'm pretty sure he will be, like, back to the sketchbook and just, like, hashing out some ways to bring more light in, right? Like, Mm -hmm. maybe bring some mirrors around, right? Like, maybe this, maybe that. So I don't think he got to i mean and and this was what 30s in the 30s 1930s so i'm assuming the process is not as fast right like creating a building is not as fast that we get with this like new buildings being built out of nowhere really really fast especially here in dfw so yeah yeah i don't think he had the ability to observe his creation seeing how it was made or what improvements he could have done to it I, i i don't think a designer I don't think most designers come out here and want to dictate how to use their thing. Yeah. I don't think it's yeah. their nature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, times have changed where more, you know, a lot more people have their, you know, their hand in the pot as to what's said. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that, that's also good. Right. I think there are times where like quit telling me how to design, but there's also, it's also good to have that feedback from outside people to be like, and question you a little bit as a designer or architect, mm. whatever you're doing. Right, because it, you can get lost in your own space. Like I said, what what he created was beautiful, but I have those questions of, about actual usability within that space. Um, and also, you know, it's hard. How do you design for the future of like forty years from now, or well, in this case, like almost a hundred years later? Right, you kind mm-hmm. you can only predict in the average person's head. You can only predict like ten, twenty years, like because things still yeah. kind of have their place within that time so anyways yeah i I think that about covers it for our first podcast guys um we can probably ramble and ramble um forever but in the world of potting (laughs) um you should probably wrap it up within an hour or so. so we'll be back next time with more news more big topics to think about and more fun hopefully and you know hopefully there won't be too much rambling as we go along and kind of smooth this out for you guys but for zab i'm eric We'll see y'all next time. See you, people. Have a good one.